Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hi everyone, it's Dev Raga, Personal Finance, and this is episode 23. Um, and in this episode, um, I'll briefly talk about um, some of the basic savings that we've done as a family uh, when it comes to shopping, uh, particularly for groceries um, at your local shopping centre. Um, I'm sure a lot of people out there are doing this already, but um, I was just sort of calculated how much money can be saved um, if we did our shopping online versus how we used to do it, which was basically, you know, going to the shopping centre and going to Coles or Woolies and physically buying items. Um, and the other topic um, which is um, becoming more important and prominent uh, in my life is how am I going to teach my children about money? Uh, because I've got two kids. Uh, one of them is very young, so it's only two. The other one is... Um, nine years old um, and she's getting to an age where you know she's wanting things her friends are having things um, and you know birthday parties presents etc etc Christmas etc all of that costs money so I need to come up with a strategy um, in order to teach my children uh, what money is um, where does it come from how is it spent how is it saved and provide them with some sort of tangible appreciation of, you know, what money brings to people's lives. Um, and the aim is, you know, to teach them in a way that they understand about money so they can utilise those principles in their own life as they grow up. Um, and I think it's absolutely vital that um, kids these days um, are taught about money. Uh, what I found really interesting is that in their curriculum, uh, yes, money is being taught, but personal finance topics, um, you know, I'm not sure whether that's a big part of the Victorian um, children's uh, maths curriculum or school curriculum, for example. I'm not sure about other states, but certainly when I was growing up and I grew up in South Australia, Adelaide, um, it was certainly not a huge component of my primary school or high school education. And I think that's where, um, you know, things can potentially improve um, about teaching kids the principles of personal finance I'm starting at a young age. Um, now, uh, so the, f the first part is um, just to summarise um, before we go into this podcast about the principles of why I'm doing this podcast. So, you know, I'm a doctor. Um, I see patients um, that are at the most vulnerable states. Um, and in my podcast series, I've talked time and time again about the power of automation and the power of paying yourself first. Um, and I recommend um, putting away 20% of your after-tax income away into a savings account and have a have a name for that account, have a, have a savings goal, if whether it's be uh, a deposit for a home that you're thinking about buying in the next sort of one to three years, or if you're thinking about it, investing it uh, for the next 20 to 30 years, um, then yeah, put it away into an investment account, whether it's going to be, you know, an index fund or ETF bonds, whatever it is, but, um, you know, don't spend all your money essentially the concept here. 
Um, and the reason why you pay yourself first is because if you take away the 20% off the top, you're sort of imposing your own taxation on yourself. And that way, when you retire, you have something, um, you know, uh, apart from superannuation, you have something else uh, that's a bit of a nest egg that's built over the, you know, 20 to 30 or 40 years. And hopefully that'll grow up and become, um, become you know, a significant amount of money that you can then utilize and enjoy your retirement years, your, your sort of um, wonder years uh, that are waiting to come by. Um, and I just found that this concept just hasn't really been ingrained in people's lives as much as probably I, I would have expected. Um, and I sort of got to a stage and I went, well, why aren't people researching about this? Why aren't they knowing about it? Um, and, you know, frankly speaking, it's um, people are interested, but they probably don't have the resources. So I thought, okay, well, I'll talk about it and how it affects in a very practical sense. Um, and the, the other main reason I'm doing it is because I'm also trying to learn myself uh, about personal finance um, uh, in addition to my career. I think I'm up to a stage in my career where, look, I've done... Uh, you know, most things uh, that I want to do in my career um, and I'm sort of, you know, stabilising at the moment, um, you know, trying to finesse it a little bit. So it's time for me to take up another topic in my life to try and learn and master it as best as I possibly can. Um, and I'm very much still learning, guys, so I I'm not by all means a financial advisor or an expert, but hopefully through these podcasts you've learned a thing or two about personal finance. And if you think I can do better or if you have any comments or questions, feel free to um, put them through. And lastly, before we finally start the podcast, um, one of the questions that I had recently was when I say 20% of after-tax income, does that include existing inbuilt savings such as superannuation or you know, paying off a mortgage where the principal amount is being paid off? So the answer to that is no, it doesn't include that. Uh, I'm I'm saying 20% of after-tax income after you've paid super, maximised it, and after you've paid off your fixed expenses such as mortgages. Because yes, paying off your mortgage is kind of like a saving because you're paying off the principal and it is an asset, but I'm talking about 20% on top of that, um, which is why I recommend when people get mortgages, try not to get more than 25% of your after-tax income in mortgage. Um, you've got to be careful about over-committing. Okay, so it's 20% of after-tax income after you've paid your super and maximised it and after you've paid your mortgage off. So it's not that is not included in that 20%. So, yeah, it is potentially substantial and it is uh, potentially difficult to do, but that's what you need to set yourself as a goal and aim for it. Now, the life hack. I talked about how something so simple that, you know, we've been doing as a family now for about 12 months. So in the past, um, the shopping lists were created at home and I used to go and do the shopping myself. So it was my job to go out to Woolies or Coles and hunt for the products um, and fill up the shopping uh, trolley and then, you know, pay for it, etc. all that sort of stuff. So it was my job in the family. As I got busier over the last 12 months with my career and my, you know, work commitments, um, I found this concept of income per unit time. So the time that used to take me to do the shopping was about, you know, two hours or so, once a week or once a fortnight. And I found, well, I'm wasting two hours of my life. How can I maximize that time? How can I utilize that time more effectively, whether exercise or 
um, you know, plan ways of um, increasing my income other ways or spend time with family or watch TV, whatever that I enjoy. So we signed up for online shopping. We do our shopping through Woolies and Coles and we have an account at each, mainly at Coles. Um, and what we found was that if you spend a certain amount of money, then they provide free pickup or they provide free delivery. So we just pick up our groceries. We order all of our groceries online. Um, and one of the things I've found with these online shopping um, sites is that you can actually search and shop within the specials. So you don't need to actually physically go to a shop and hunt for those special stickers. You can actually go to the online website and you can click on, you know, bought before items and very instantly found out, um, find out whether that particular product is on special. And what I've found is just by doing that um, on a fortnightly basis, um, you know, we've cut about $100 off our grocery bill, just like that. Um, so, you know, I, I couldn't believe that all these years that I've been doing shopping physically, because I'd go physically to a shopping center, then I'd get frustrated because I, you know, then I have to calculate the specials or look at the, you know, dollars per grams or whatever it is. Um, now I just do it online. So I still do the shopping um, and I just have an account. Um, all the items that I've bought before comes up and if it's on special, I buy it. If it's not, I wait. Um, and, and it sort of provides a good comparison as to other products that are out there that are very similar to what I buy at a very similar price. And I find the price comparison um, is instant, is amazing, it's quick, it's efficient. And we set a pickup time, you just go pick up our groceries. Um, we don't like, I don't like delivery because obviously you've got to be home when they deliver. Um, and my shift schedule and my wife's commitments and the kids' schooling, etc., you know, can be quite unpredictable sometimes with extracurricular activities, etc. So we just order it online and we pick it up. So there you go. I've saved over the last 12 months, on average, you know, I reckon about between $80 and $100 per fortnight just on groceries. So it's amazing how much you can save. Um, and to the second topic teaching kids about money. I think it's a really important topic. Um, it's not very well done in the curriculum at schools. So let's talk a little bit about that. So why is it important? Well, money is something that's not going to disappear um, for future generations. It's going to exist um, and our kids are going to grow up and the better grasp they have about money and personal finance and financial concepts now, which they can then build on uh, based on their interest, the better life prepared that they can be for their lives. Um, it's absolutely true. If a child, just imagine, if your child who's 15 realizes the immense power of compounding and the immense power of savings rate at the age of 15, by the time they retire, if they put into principles, pay themselves first, save 20% of their income, pocket money, whatever they get, and just utilize the power of compounding over time, you know, they're going to be very, very, very well off in their retirement. So imagine of that. That's the aim, okay? The other thing why it's really important um, teaching kids about money is money today is largely invisible. Now, there's been a lot of talk, particularly in Europe, about completely wiping out cash. Um, MasterCard and Visa have been trying to wipe out cash because they feel that it's a threat to their business. So, um, you know, because they're in the business of loaning people money through credit card usage um, via banks, etc. So they want to wipe cash out. And in some European, you know, um, countries, 
cash is really used. Now, cash, I think, in Australia is perhaps more used than it is in other countries like um, in Western European countries. But certainly, if you notice in your own lives, how many times have you actually paid cash for something? I rarely pay with cash. I just tap and go, tap and go, tap and go. And I realized that when I used to go shopping and I took my, you know, five, six-year-old daughter at the time, she used to think it's kind of like a game. Um, and if you've got kids, you might be able to relate to this where you go to the checkout and they put it on the put it on the self-checkout, they scan it themselves and then they pay for it themselves potentially. And they think it's kind of like a game. And I sort of realized, well, that's a very dangerous concept. This is Visa and MasterCard getting into the brains of our children. So invisible money is a real risk. And I think kids have to have some sort of tangible way of understanding about what money is. And that's why it's really, really, really important. When do you talk to kids about money? Um, I sort of feel that, um, you know, it depends on your child and depends on their maturity. I think if you start talking about money between the ages of 9 and 12, um, that's probably the ideal age group. Um, so one of the things that I'm trying to teach my nine-year-old who's just turned nine is that money just doesn't grow on trees um you know there is a value to it um society accepts a value to it um and we've got to be careful about you know how to spend it etc and i don't teach her you know the ins and outs of finances what i am trying to teach her is you know rather than you know buying um you know things from coles or woolies which are essential don't get me wrong maybe we need to buy a piece of Woolies or Coles. And that's a very powerful concept. You know, what I'm essentially trying to teach is buying pieces of companies. But, you know, she's still very young, so this is something that I'm just starting to do, um, and hopefully she'll sort of understand it. And I'll sort of work on it over the coming years to make sure, you know, what does that mean, buying a piece of McDonald's, not buying a Big Mac? What does that actually mean? Um, and hopefully they'll sort of, you know, understand it as they grow up. Um, another good time to talk about money is at the ATM. If you do use a lot of cash and you go to the ATM and want to withdraw money, it's a great way to tell them, you know, the ATM is not a machine that just spits out money. It is a machine that's linked to your bank account. You need to have money in your bank account. If you don't have money in your bank account, then the ATM is not going to spit out cash. And you've got to be diligent about, um, you know, safety of cash as well. So it's, it's a great time to talk about money. Um, talking about money at supermarket. So one of the things that I've you know, trying to educate um, an nine-year-old is when you go to the supermarket or when you go shopping online, you can actually get the price per 100 grams. And that's an easy way of comparison um, between products. Um, you don't have to, you know, calculate it yourself. I remember 20 years ago, I used to do it myself, um, you know, when I was when I was a teenager, you know, shopping, etc. cetera. But, um, but nowadays it's mandated, so it's, it's, it's a very easy comparison. So at the supermarket, you know, you, you might have um, biscuits or TV snacks or whatever it is. Um, and you might say, well, hang on, why do you want to buy the three-pack or the four-pack? You can get the eight-pack and look at the value per 100 grams. You're actually getting better value. So it's a very easy way of talking about economics um, and, you know, shopping hacks, really, and, and, and tactics. Paying bills. You know, when you're paying bills... Um, it's important for the kids to understand that electricity and gas and water and council rates, the fuel, you know, all of this just doesn't magically happen. So which means when they don't turn off the light, you know, they, they understand that, okay, well, if I keep the lights on for longer than I need, it costs money, not to mention the environmental impact of it. 
um, you know, we, we've got solar panels and I try and talk about solar panels and how efficient it can be of utilising, you know, dishwashers and washing machines between a set time and have timers for them. Um, you know, we have automated sprinkler systems where we try and water our garden, you know, the early hours of the morning when the sun's not shining um, and, uh, and being judicious about it. Um, so certainly paying bills and, and, and making them understand that the money that you use to pay bills and all these things that we use on a daily basis, such as utilities, they're not free. This is something that we have to pay for. So therefore, we have to be careful about using water. We've got to be stingy about using electricity. We've got to be stingy about using gas. And I say stingy uh, in, a, in a very positive sense, to be careful about it for economic reasons but also for environmental reasons. You know, these are our kids and we want to make sure that the environment and the place that we leave for them is better than what they have at the moment, or at least the same and not, you know, ruin it for them. Um, involving children doing budgets. Um, the budgets, I don't personally do a budget on a month-by-month -month basis. I have a sort of set budget and because I really believe in the power of automation, everything is automated. But when we have an event, for example, that I'm planning for, I asked the family, what is the budget? So recently we had a birthday party for my nine-year-old. We planned it. Um, we got a wonderful cake. Um, we, we went to a really nice theme park. But I made sure I, you know, told my daughter that, you know, this costs money. So what is the budget? You know, how many children are we going to invite? How many parents are we going to invite? How are we going to cater for the parents? How are we going to cater for the kids? You know, how are we going to cater for the cake and drinks and things like that? And the entry fees and all that sort of stuff and the rides. So we had a budget and she was, you know, not totally, you know, involved in the budget process, but certainly I set limits. You know, this is the number of kids. You know, this is the number of parents. You know, we can't just invite, you know, 50 kids because, you know, it's, it's not cost effective and you don't really need 50 children at your birthday party. I'm sorry. Um, you just don't need that. So then she sort of understood that, okay, we have to find out resources. So how can we best utilize those resources and still have a great time? We had a fantastic time. We spent a whole day at the theme park. It was fantastic. And, um, you know, we made good use of, of, uh, of the money that we spent. Giving pocket money. Um, I don't know what most people out there think about giving pocket money. Um, I don't give pocket money. Uh, maybe I should, maybe I shouldn't. I'm not sure. I don't believe in um, just randomly giving pocket money to kids. Um, certainly, um, I'll think about giving money or a reward if they do their chores. So, you know, that includes, you know, cleaning the house um, over and above what I would expect for a child to do. So making the bed, brushing their teeth, having a shower, ironing their clothes, I think that's what a children should do. But if they go ahead and clean the lounge room or go ahead and clean the family room or the toy room or whatever, which which uh, over and above what I would expect, then yeah, I think that you can reward them with some sort of pocket money. But you've got to be careful about you know, rewarding kids with pocket money as a general rule for just doing their usual duties. You know, that's like me getting a bonus at work for treating patients. I don't. I just get paid a you know, standard salary. Um, uh, I don't get extra extra bonus points just for rocking up on time. That's just basic expectation of working in a healthcare facility. Um, and but but I guess the aim of giving you know uh, paid work at home is you don't get something for nothing. Nothing in this world is free. Um, everything costs money. 
uh, and I mean everything. Um, yeah, perhaps the air that we breathe probably doesn't cost money, but some would argue it kind of does if you you know live in a nice uh, place where the fresh air is quite nice as opposed to living next to a coal power plant where it's relatively cheap. You might be breathing crappy air. So yeah, it kind of does cost money. So um, and I guess you could you know talk about piggy banks and bank accounts. Um, certainly there are banks that have children's bank accounts which you might find useful. And I find talking to other parents, how are they handling this? Um, you know, your friends and families that have little kids, um, your brothers or sisters that might have little kids, how are they doing it with their children? Now, it's a double-edged sword. So if you talk to other parents, they might be lavishing their kids with presents, money, birthday parties, whatever it is. So, you know, be prepared to be, uh, you know, uh, feeling a little bit bad that you're not doing it for your child. Um, today I read an article which is a bit of a controversy about um, Beck Judd, who's the wife of um, footballer, I can't remember his name, I don't follow football, but essentially her five-year-old birthday party was something about LOL dolls and, and she spent a lot of money on it and she was posting on Instagram or Facebook or whatever it is and plenty of people kind of went, well, hang on, for a five-year-old you're spending thousands of dollars on a birthday party, is that appropriate? You know, or some of the parents were feeling really bad that they probably could never achieve that. Um, you know, sure, it's easy for the judge to do it because, you know, they're multimillionaires, but you know, be prepared to sort of, you know, compare and contrast and don't sort of, you know, beat yourself too much that you're probably not providing, you know, what the other parents are providing. And likewise, be very careful about bragging what you do for your children because I think that's a very bad look, particularly if you're talking to someone who's in a financially disadvantaged position. Um, so in summary, I think, um, talking to kids about money is important. I find generally talking about money has become a bit of a taboo topic. Um, certainly in Australia, I find in America, um, in North America, especially talking about money is considered quite appropriate. Um, people quite routinely talk about their incomes and their 401ks or the Roth IRAs or whatever it is. Um, in Australia, I think we, we tend to be very conservative in terms of talking about money and personal finance, and that makes it very difficult to learn this information, although things are getting better, of course, due to this podcast and other podcast series out there. Um, researching purchases. So, you know, we, we bought a toy for our two-year-old recently. Um, obviously, we're not going to ask our two-year-old to do some research on it, but we got a nine-year-old to research on it um, because she got a gift, ca gift card for her birthday and she used that gift card to buy a toy for our two-year-old. So she did some research online and sort of said, okay, what is the best price? What I found was that because it was her gift card, um, she felt ownership. She felt that um, she had to get the best price and the best value for the toy that she wanted for her little sister. Um, and that's interesting. Um, whereas if she's spending daddy's money or mummy's money, then maybe she doesn't think about it as, you know, as that important. But certainly um, uh, that was interesting that I found. So maybe them having their own gift cards of their own money, um, it's, it's interesting how they value that much more than if it's someone else's money. And it's kind of true um, in everyday life. Like if you go stay in a hotel, you know, you may not treat the hotel room just like your own bedroom at home. You may treat your bedroom at home with much more sanctity um, than, than the hotel. So it, it kind of goes both ways for children and adults. 
Um, and lastly, the concept of needs versus wants. That has to be probably the most important concept if you're going to explain it to children. An iPhone is not a need. Um, a smartwatch is not a need. It is a want. So how are you going to explain that to your child? That you don't really need this. I agree that you want it. What are you going to do in return if we get it? You know, how are you going to earn that want? I think, um, and I think you'll find that kids will probably enjoy their wants a lot more if they're made to earn it as opposed to just get given to them. So that's my podcast for today. Um, this is episode um, 23, I think. I can't remember. Uh, 22 or 23, I can't remember. Whatever I said at the start of this episode, it's, it's been 24 minutes and I've already forgotten, which is slightly embarrassing. But anyway, um, and in this episode, we talked about multitude of things. A summary of what my concept of saving 20% is that's external and outside of your mortgage and your superannuation and fixed expenses. The concept of... For us, shopping online has been a huge bonus in terms of um, you know saving routinely eighty to one hundred dollars a fortnight because we very easily look for specials online that perhaps we could have missed when I used to do shopping physically. Um, and the elephant in the room topic is basically talking to your children about money, um, how you can approach it, what are some of the strategies. I'm still learning. Um, and of course, I'm still starting. So I'll, I'll be doing this now for the next 10 years or so until she, you know, um, gets into uni or whatever she wants to do after year 12. Um, but certainly, um, it's really important to start early. And I think starting at about sort of 9 to 12 age is probably uh, probably the right age group, certainly I feel. But I'd be interested to hear what you think uh, about that age group to start talking about money to your children. So until next time, pay yourself first, save 20% of your after-tax income and put it away again and again and again. And be sure to talk about money with your family and with your children. Um, and talk to them about it from a sense of teaching them, not from a sense of, um, you know, you've got to make this much money, you've got to save this much money. I don't think that's useful. You've got to teach them the basics, let them learn, let them build the building blocks um, and hopefully, and this is an ongoing process, and hopefully over time they'll grasp the concept of what is money, it's tangible, you can touch it, you can feel it, it means something, it doesn't magically grow on trees, um, and when you spend it, there's a level of pain that comes with it. When you invest it, what does it mean? Buy McDonald's, don't eat in McDonald's, um, that concept, so... This is Dev Raga Personal Finance. Thank you very much for listening. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to comment. And uh, till next time, pay yourself first and stay safe. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 